You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Pastor Paul Kern. Well, I'm, I'm excited, absolutely. I'm excited about what I'm going to be talking about tonight. Like I mentioned, I, I want to talk about being alive and awake to truth. I want to talk about truth a little bit tonight. Uh, I, I want to start out by asking you a question. And you don't necessarily have to answer. It's just, it just helps me kind of get the ball rolling here. But, but how many of you took algebra or are taking algebra in school? Okay. Isn't it wonderful? <laughs> I, I remember the first time, you know, I heard people talking a little bit about it, but I remember the first time I heard A plus B equals C. My brain exploded. I mean, literally, there are letters in math. Because my, my whole life, I had been taught that numbers are for math and letters are for spelling and talking. And now, they're like mixing the whole thing up. And, and so, I was, it was crazy. So, the, my first thought was, how can there be letters in math? And then my second thought was, this is God's punishment for me for all of my sins that I have committed. And, and when my teacher started explaining that letters represent sides of a triangle, I was thinking, what, what proof do you have that letters represent the sides of a triangle? And, you know, I, I just, she lost me. She lost me. And, and, and really, after that, I didn't really do all that great in math, and it's probably because I wasn't listening so I just want to encourage those of you that are in school still and you have math ahead of you, don't take the attitude that I did. Um, pay attention when your teacher starts talking about the alphabet in your math class. It didn't make any sense to me. But, you know, and to top it off, I mean, in my mind, I was thinking, why should I care? I'm never going to use this in real life, ever. Am I ever going to use letters to do math in everyday life. And then my son graduated high school a few years ago, and he went off to the University of Arkansas, and he is pursuing a degree in aerospace engineering, and they use letters in math there, and a lot harder math. He, he sits and he starts talking to me about these math problems. And, I mean, literally, it might as well be he's speaking Chinese to me because I have no clue. No, Dad, it's really not that hard to understand. And I'm thinking, you don't understand. I didn't even figure out A plus B equals C. How do you think I'm going to figure out dividing of le- – You can't. how do you even divide a le- – I don't know. And so it's just all this is this stuff that he's doing. And, and I, little did I know at the, the time that – for people to get to the moon into outer space, they have to know this stuff and a whole lot more difficult math than just basic algebra. As a matter of fact, without those mathematical absolutes, they could never get to the moon. Without these mathematical absolutes, we could never get to Mars like we have people planning on doing that right now. And the fact is, there are men and women of all races, of all ethnicities, of all nationalities, of all socioeconomic classes who are successful in mathematics 
all because they agree on one thing. The truths of mathematics are absolute. And therefore, we're all able to speak one language and accomplish these incredible goals because we have all agreed on that. Everybody accepts it. And you know what? The same is true for building a life. There are truths that are absolute that will make a profound difference in your life. They're fundamental truths. They make our lives infinitely more enjoyable. They make our lives way more satisfying when we live our lives by these these truths. Now, what are these truths? What are these rules? Just like there's rules in math, there's rules in life. What are these rules? Well, the Scripture teaches us that the wise person builds their life on the teachings of Jesus Christ. That's what the Scripture shows us. If you will build your life on the teachings, as a matter of fact, there's a parable in the Bible and it says that a foolish man, you know, he started building his house on sand. Now, if you're a builder, you know immediately that's a no-no. You, you just simply cannot build a house on sand and think that that house is going to stand unless you put footers of concrete in there that go deep enough to support the structure of the building, and, and those pillars are what we call rock, right, or, or foundation stone. And so Jesus said, then there's the wise man who built his life upon the rock. Now, he said something really interesting next. He said, the winds and the rains came, the floodwaters rose, the storms beat against both of those houses. The man who built his house upon the sand and the man who built his house upon the rock, the storms came to both of them. Storms didn't differentiate between one who built on the sand and one who built upon the solid rock. It came to both. But he said the difference was the one who built his house upon the sand, it crashed. It had a huge crash. And the one who built his house upon the rock, it stood. It stood. And that's the whole point. See, building on the teachings of Jesus, we can withstand the winds and the rains and the storms that life brings to every one of us. And it's a claim that makes sense, too. After all, you wouldn't set foot in a building. You wouldn't come into this building built by someone who treats the laws of mathematics and general construction as just principles that are subjective. You wouldn't do that. No, when we poured the foundation for this building, we had to follow some important rules and principles. And if we didn't, there's no possible way that this massive building with all of this weight, there's tons of weight up here in this catwalk that you can't even see in this, the, the building. And then, you know, when it snows and we've got several inches of snow on this roof, you're talking about hundreds and hundreds of extra pounds of weight. And then the winds begin to blow against this building. And this building is so large, just imagine the whole side of this building is like a giant cell. And so if this thing isn't built on the principles, if, if we were subjective in how we approach the building of this building, this building never would have been able to stand. But that begs the question, are there really absolute truths in life? Because we live in a day and time 
where you kind of make up your own truth. It's very subjective. It's certainly not absolute. And, and what is true for you may not be true for me, and what is true for me may not be true for you. You basically make your own truth. But are there absolute truths for life? Well, I believe there are. I believe there are a proven set of guiding principles in the Scriptures. I believe the Bible plays that role. We call it the Word of God. And what could be more absolute than God's words? I can't think of anything that could be more absolute to me than God's very own words. So would a rational person put their opinions on one side of the scale and put God's words on the other side of the scale? Would a, would a rational person put science on one side of the scale and put God's words on the other side of the scale? See, if God is real, his words have to be absolute. Why? Because he's God. He's God. God can have no equal because he's God. He's the HHH. Y'all know what that, th- that is? He's the head honcho of heaven. I mean, nobody's bigger than that. I mean, Lucifer thought that he was bigger than that. He got the idea, you know, over there in Isaiah. He said, I'm going to exalt myself. (laughs) That's not a good thought to have in heaven when God's the HHH. God exalts you. But he says, I'm going to exalt myself. As a matter of fact, I'm going to exalt myself above the throne of God. Really. Yeah, I'm going to exalt myself higher than God. And then there was a group of angels who really weren't all that smart. They said, yeah, we agree with you. And then God said, y'all all got to go. You can't live here. And so, you know, Lucifer was punted literally to the earth. He hit like a lightning bolt. That's a hard punt, by the way. You know, and he hits the earth and he's just fuming, mad, upset. You know, who does God think he is? God, I mean, <laughs> here I am on the earth now. And so we, how could a rational person put their opinions on one side of the scale and God's word on the other side of the scale? God has no equal. God cannot be outweighed. Nobody's higher than God. So to say that you believe in God, but you don't necessarily believe his word, that's crazy. I mean, literally, that's, that, that's what that is. This is why we as Christians, at Christian Ministries Church anyway, not for those who are listening by podcast or from somewhere else, hopefully your church believes this too. And if they don't believe this, I want to encourage you to leave that church immediately and find you a church that does believe in the authority of Scripture. Because in Christian Ministries Church, we believe in the authority of Scripture. We believe that it is, it is the wisest of all wisdom. It is an unshakable foundation. God's word is God's authority because God's word is him. Now, the scripture tells us that. If, if you look at John chapter 1, and if you want to turn there, you can. I'm going to read John chapter 1, verse 1, 3, and 5. It says, in the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God. 
and the Word was God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. See, in the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word what? It was God. Now, more than ever in our culture, we see the Bible under attack. Now, I mean, the Bible's been under attack ever since the Bible was written. You know, for over a couple of thousand years, and even back in, the, in Judeo, uh, Judeo-Christianity in the early days, it was, it was under extreme attack. You know, Scripture was burned, it was destroyed over and over and over again. The Bible's been under attack by all kinds of people in all different cultures, yet it still stands. Why? Truth stands. Truth can stand the test of time. A lie can't, but truth certainly can. And more than ever in our culture, we see the Bible being questioned, and we see the Bible being doubted, and what's alarming is we're seeing the Bible being questioned and doubted by Christians. We're seeing the Bible being questioned and doubted by churches. And now we're seeing churches and we're seeing pastors and we're seeing leaders who are supposed to be our spiritual leaders, who are supposed to be the shepherds over the flock, the ones who are supposed to be guiding people into all truth. They're telling people that not all the Bible is true. And that's a dangerous place because you make the Bible subjective. But see, we understand in our church that God's word is above all of us. And there's nothing that we as human beings can do to tamper with it. God made sure of that because we like to tamper with stuff. We like to change things all the time. We like to say that good is bad and bad is good. You know, we've all had to sit here and watch for the last month as Pride Month has been blasted in front of us in every arena of our lives. I use OneNote on my iPad. If you go into the settings of OneNote, you can toggle on your pride. It's even within our software. It's a a subtle brainwashing. Well, it's maybe not so subtle now. But it's made its way into the church, and these, these philosophies, these these belief systems are infiltrating, infiltrating the church and it's causing the compromising of truth. Now, one of the things that we see really being attacked in Scripture, and, and, and let me just say that the Bible is always going to be foolish to people who don't come to it with a changed heart and a changed mind. The Bible says that. It says that the wisdom of God is just, you know, it's beyond anybody's comprehension that has not had their heart and their mind changed by a born-again experience, and you have the Spirit of God living inside of you. But throughout the Bible, these people see contradictions. They read about miracles, and they read about impossible acts, and they consider them as fables. They consider them as fairy tales. They don't consider them to be real events that actually happen. And today's culture is going to 
is going to challenge you concerning the truth of Scripture. If you haven't been challenged, you're going to be challenged. We, I'm watching our young adults, especially those that are in college and young adults that are in the workforce being challenged all the time. And, and one of the things that I'm hearing said and that they're hearing said and that you probably, if you haven't heard said, you will, how can anybody really know for certain what they meant when they said this or that in the Bible because it happened so long ago? We weren't there. We don't know what they meant when they said that. As a matter of fact, there's really no possible way that we could ever know what they meant when they said that because that's in the past. See, that's one of the arguments that's out there. But see, to the person who who hears God's word with faith, see, that's like a person who's been blind their whole life and they just got healed and their eyes have been opened for the very first time. You know, I remember when I was 23 years old and I was lost and, and I, I wasn't walking with Christ and, and then Christ came into my life and my mom had given me a Bible when I was much younger and I'd never read it. I'd never really given it any time of day, not even a thought in my mind. As a matter of fact, I remember I, I respected God enough that I didn't like throw it away. But I just didn't have anything to do with it. And I remember it being in the trunk of my car. And when I, when I met Christ, I remember taking that thing out. And, and, and it was like my best friend. It, it just came alive to me. It's like I had been blind my whole life. And now when I opened up the Bible, all of a sudden I'm seeing it in a way that I've never, ever seen it before because the Holy Spirit illuminated it to me. See, God's Word illuminated me. God's word, it helped me see the true shape and the true color and context of the world. It helped me see life from a completely different perspective. It helped me see my entertainment and people and, and how I lived and how I voted. Everything changed in me when I had that encounter with Jesus and the word came alive to me because Jesus came to make us alive and awake to truth. Jesus didn't come and say, well, you know, I'm a truth of many. I'm one way of many. You know, figure it out. I mean, we, got, we literally, church, we have parents today. And this is what they tell their children. I don't really have anything concrete that I can offer you in life. I don't really have any absolutes that I can tell you. So, you know, you go on out there into that big old world and, man, try to figure it out. I hope you do good. Try to make your own reality. Try to create your own truth. Try to make life work. See, we've we got to start with a foundation, a, a, a fundamental principle. And I want to talk about this for a minute. So we believe that God is real. And if God exists, if he exists then he certainly has to be infinite, right? Eternal, no beginning, no end, everlasting. That's, that's God. God's, you know, well, well what, what was God doing before he created everything? There, he was just God. He created time, he created space, he's eternal, he's existed, you know, forever and ever and ever, infinium, however you want to describe it. And if this is true, how can we expect to truly understand an infinite God 
with our limited, finite minds. See, that's an argument. Are there complexities in Scripture? You bet. Are there mysteries? Yes, there are. Are there unexplainable supernatural events in the Bible? (laughs) Well, you don't have to read very far to find that out. I mean, you, you get into Genesis, and there's a man that God created and a woman that he fashioned from a rib. Dirt in a rib. Really? I'm supposed to believe that. And then a serpent came in? Wow. <laughs> yeah, there, there are supernatural, unexplainable events. And I would hope so, I would hope so, or else this infinite God doesn't seem much different to me than finite people. You know, if God's not any bigger than us, then we're all in trouble. He's not much of a God, right? And if the Bible was only full of explainable events, if everything in the Bible was explainable, do you think that people would say, because the Bible's full of explainable events, I believe it? No, I doubt it. It's very doubtful. And then there are those who claim the Bible is foolishness because the eyewitnesses of Jesus in the Gospels differ. And these are the people that say, well, I don't believe the Bible because the Bible has contradictions and, and, you know, I just can't believe in the Bible because of that. But this argument doesn't really even hold up in a real world context. Now, let's just give me, let me just give you an example. Imagine that you're at a concert with your friends, okay? And after the concert, you ask your friends to describe to you the concert and what they saw. Well, one friend says, well, the, the lead singer had a leather jacket on and there were pyrotechnics going off. It was awesome. And then the other friend says, well, the lead singer had a short sleeve shirt on and he was crowd surfing. Okay, well, those are two completely different descriptions of a concert. But do they contradict? No. It's just this friend chose to focus on what happened in one portion of the show, and this one focused on another portion of the show. Same event, just different perspectives and different angles. And especially if you don't understand when you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that the Holy Spirit is is being very precise on how he presents Jesus. Matthew shows Jesus as a king. Mark shows him as a servant. Luke shows him as the son of man. John shows him as the son of God. And so all of these have these different angles that they're portraying Jesus as. And then you have the people given these eyewitness events who are individual people with their own personalities and their own backgrounds who are describing the same events happening just from different angles. It's not a contradiction at all. Two friends aren't lying to you. They just each focused on different events. They were, impact, they were impacted by the same concert in different ways. And the bottom line is this. To the heart that approaches the gospels of Jesus with faith, it's extremely obvious. See, through the eyes of faith, <clears throat> there's no contradiction. But to those who don't have eyes of faith, it's just foolish contradictions to them. And I've heard these arguments. Another objection that you're going to hear voiced 
is that even if God's original words were true, they were recorded by human beings who were imperfect. And therefore, there's no possible way that God's word cannot have error because imperfect people who make mistakes all the time recorded these events. And sadly, this theory is gaining ground among millennials, among Gen Zs, among Gen Ys. It's gaining a lot of ground today. I have conversation with these young adults, and these are some of the things that I hear them saying. Can we trust the Bible because it was recorded by imperfect humans that are prone to make mistakes? I mean, I don't know if y'all have ever played the game where you whisper something in somebody's ear and then they whisper it in the next person's ear. By the time you get to about the eighth person, I mean, what you said is completely different than what was the original statement. And so that's kind of the argument. How could it possibly be accurate after it's been passed down for thousands of years by imperfect people? But again, if we start with the premise of an infinite God, then we have to conclude that God took into account that possibility. If we're dealing with an almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, infinite God, we have to believe that God understood this possibility. And I'm not here to tackle the subject of the inerrancy of Scripture. I don't have time for that. A good book for you to read would be by Dr. James Wright called Scripture Alone. If you want to study this, Dr. James Wright has a great book on this. But even people who turn to the Scripture with a certain amount of faith, they still wrestle with the authority of, of Scripture. You know, I've watched even Christian people that I've grown up around wrestle with this. But think of it this way. So, if God could take Mary, who was an imperfect human being, a woman, but she was imperfect, a virgin, but she was with not, she, she was not sinless. She was, a, she's born into sin just like all the rest of us through our spiritual mother and father, Adam and Eve. So God took Mary, who was an imperfect human being, he overshadowed her with his Holy Spirit, and he produced a perfect son of God. Is God not capable of taking imperfect men and overshadowing them with his Holy Spirit to produce a perfect word of God? See, because God's infinite, God calculated everything out before the world was, it says Christ was crucified before the foundations of the world. God had the whole thing planned out and completely done before he ever created light, created stars, created fish, created anything. It's really interesting when you think about the birth of a baby. You know, when, a, when the, the sperm and the egg come together, life is formed, and, and cells begin to, to break apart and break apart, and, and they form into a human being, and that baby begins to grow within the womb of that mother. And the way that that baby receives nutrition is through the umbilical cord. All of the nutrients that that baby needs, all of the oxygen that that baby needs is provided through that connection, through that cord. But there's something very interesting. God in his wisdom before the foundations of the world set this in place. Do you know that there is no blood that is passed from the mother to the baby 
When a baby is being formed in the womb, the blood forms within the cells themselves. The blood of the baby is independent from the blood of the mother. So even though Mary's blood was tainted, God took her egg and his divine seed, and the Son of God was formed within the womb of Mary, perfect and sinless. See, God was prepared for that way ahead of time. And just as God is able to do that, God is able to take imperfect people and make a perfect word. And then there are some Christians who put their trust in Jesus, yet they believe the Bible is nothing more than a guide. It's just a guide to them. And this is really the worst kind of mistake, because to them, the Bible is not absolute authority, and it's really not meant to be taken literally. And this makes me sad when I hear people say this, when they say the Bible's not really meant to be taken literally. And then there are other Christians that take a higher view. They describe the Bible as God's advice to us. It's good advice. And they weigh God's word as principles that are more true than others. You know, they're more true than what the Buddhists say or what the Islam say or what the Muslim, you know. It's, it's, it's more true than that. But this, this approach still falls short of what the Bible describes the word of God as being. And then we move higher up the ladder in the importance of Scripture that they believe that the Bible is the literal, actual word of God. And that's what we believe in our church. It's as if God's talking to you face to face. Man, when I open up the Bible, it's like God's talking to me face to face. When I read the Psalms, when I read Matthew, when I read 1 John, when I go to James, we've been in our study of Galatians, it's like God's speaking to me face to face. It's unchanging. It's perfect holiness. It's unerring for all eternity. And here's what I want to make sure that our church understands. The highest level of belief in God's word is the only belief that the Bible endorses. The Bible doesn't endorse any of these other beliefs. Lots of people take issue with this. You're going to meet people, you know, if you're a young adult, you're going to meet people in school and in college. If, if you're in the workforce, you're going to meet people there, even in churches. They're going to think that this view is very, very, very narrow-minded, very close-minded of you to think that. How can you not, how can you say that that's the Word of God and all these other belief systems aren't? Still, does it make sense at all to believe in a God who speaks truth only some of the time? Not all of the time? See, to those of us who approach the Bible with faith, we have to believe that what God says in Scripture is true or else none of it can be true. See, part of the Bible can't be true and part of it not, not be true. Who gets to decide that? See, once again, now it falls into man's hands and we get to tamper with it and we get to change it. And that's what people do. And the reason that we do that is because we like darkness that's what the Bible says. We like sin, and we want to do it, and we don't want our deeds exposed. So instead of saying that I don't believe in God because, man, that's really extreme, let's just change the Bible up a little bit, and we'll make it fit our lifestyle and how we want to live, and then we'll all be okay with it. And so for us, you know, orthodox people... That's very offensive to them. 
See, to us, the foolishness of God's word is the only truth that we trust. We don't trust the world. We don't trust the advice of the world. And as we move forward from here in 2021, church, I just want you to know more attacks are coming. They're infiltrating a lot of areas of our life, and especially for our young adults, I really want to warn you to be careful because what the world has always done and what it will always do is make sin normal. Normal. Everybody's doing it. It's not that big of a deal in any way. What's wrong with people being happy? Well, that's a hard argument to come up against if you don't know truth. I've seen people who were believers for a long time fall away from the faith. They're no longer believers. I even know some that don't even believe in God anymore. They used to believe in God. They grew up being taught that God was real. They grew up hearing the Bible stories. They grew up learning about creation from the Bible, and now they don't even believe that there is a God anymore. Now, I'm 55 years old. I've had the privilege of teaching and being around hundreds of young adults and mature adults in my lifetime, and without fail, those who believe that the Bible is absolute, those who believe that the Bible is authoritative, those that believe that the Bible is the teachings of Jesus Christ, those people go on to live a life that's healthier, happier, more secure. They do better in every area of life, mentally, spiritually, and physically. I've watched it. I've had over 30 years to observe it happen. And then those who have gotten away from that truth and allowed culture to shape their thinking, I watched them experiencing a lot of issues. They're needing to go to therapists. They're needing to go to counselors. They're needing medication. They're needing alcohol. They live depressed. They're confused. But I'm free. I'm free to do whatever I want to do, and I'm free to believe whatever I want to believe. But the fact is, truth works every time, every single time. And we as Christian ministries, I just want to make sure that our church knows that here at our church, we believe that the Bible is God's Word. It is authoritative. It is without error. It is God's Word to us. And we can trust it. We can base our life on it. And as we do, I see the fruit of it in so many people's lives in our ministry, how God blesses them because they have chosen to build their life as a wise builder upon the rock of truth. Yes, there is truth. And if you're a young person listening to this, I want to encourage you. The world will tell you that there really is no possible way that you can know truth. Just go out and kind of make your own truth. But that's a lie. Because there is truth and there is a lie. And the truth is found in the teachings of Jesus. If you'll listen to Jesus... If you'll follow Jesus, if you'll apply what Jesus teaches to your life, 
I'm not saying that you're going to have a life free of problems. Jesus never promised us that. But what he did promise us was that if we will build our life upon the foundation of truth, our life will stand against the storms of life and there will be a reward waiting for us when our life is all said and done. Amen? Did y'all get something out of this? Amen. Let's give God a hand clap. Stand with me tonight. We'll pray together and we'll dismiss. Father, we thank you for your word. We're grateful to you, God, for truth. Lord, help us come alive and awake to your truth. Lord, help our hearts and our minds be alive and awake to you and your word. God, may your word direct us, guide us, and lead us each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you and have a great week. See you Sunday. I've got eyes only for you, Lord. I've got eyes only for you, Lord. All else fades away. first love you show me who i was made for now i am found in your freedom in the love of the father lord you take me back to my first love you show me who i was made for 